What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This week, a whistleblower complaint filed to the Department of National Intelligence became public. And it raised concerns that President Trump had pressed the leader of Ukraine to look into Trump's political rival. And in that complaint, the whistleblower pointed to one man in particular. Rudy Giuliani, playing a central role in the newest scandal. What was so unusual was seeing him referring to Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani is going to be in touch. You hear Rudy Giuliani's name probably mentioned more than anybody else's. Rudy Giuliani was referred to by name dozens of times in the whistleblower complaint and on a call between President Trump and the leader of Ukraine that is now at the heart of an impeachment inquiry. On the call, Trump called Giuliani a, quote, highly respected and very capable guy and asked the Ukrainian leader to connect with him. But Giuliani started making connections in Ukraine years before the call. As far back as 2008, Giuliani was working in Ukraine as a consultant. And he continued that work even after becoming an advisor to Donald Trump. Today on the show, the story of Rudy Giuliani in Ukraine and how the ex-mayor's business relationships helped pave the way for impeachment proceedings. Welcome to The Journal, our daily show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, September 27th. Rebecca Ballhouse is a White House reporter. And over the past few years, she's spent a lot of time talking to Rudy Giuliani. And a lot of times talking over text. I first got to know him during the 2016 campaign when he was a pretty vocal supporter of the president. Then he became sort of an advisor to the president early on and then officially became his lawyer last year. And that's when I really started talking to him a lot because I was covering the Mueller investigation. How often does he text you? It varies. <laughs> I think I think it certainly picked up earlier this year. It picked up because Giuliani wanted to get a story out there. He was texting journalists links to articles about the Bidens and Ukraine. He was definitely trying to promote this narrative to a lot of reporters that Biden needed to be investigated, that Ukrainian interference in the 2016 election on Hillary Clinton's behalf needed to be investigated. At first, Rebecca didn't make much of it. Then, starting later in the spring, when we started to learn that he was possibly going to go to Ukraine, meet with the Ukrainian president, and sort of push these things, it started to become clear that it wasn't a story that was just going to go away. Before this, well before this, Giuliani had been working in Ukraine. For over a decade, he had work and connections there. It all started after his failed presidential run in 2008. So what we understand is that he connects with a boxer, Vitaly Klitschko, in Ukraine, who is running for mayor. Did the boxer have a name, like a boxing name? 
The boxer has a name. Yes, it's Dr. Iron Fist, which I believe is because he had a PhD, hence the doctor. And at this point, Klitschko is running for mayor of Kiev, and Giuliani signs on to help him strategically win that election and also to help him root out corruption. So already back in 2008, we're hearing him talk about corruption in Ukraine. Dr. Iron Fist didn't win that particular election, but Giuliani did keep working in Ukraine. He took on roles as a security consultant, offering advice on how to make cities safer and how to build policies to deal with crime. It seems he was providing an array of services, helping advise on on security issues and also cybersecurity issues. And this is ultimately part of what helps him, I think, sell himself to Trump as a cybersecurity advisor later on. And do you know or have any idea how much Giuliani was making in Ukraine? That I don't know, and that's something that we're we're trying to find out um, because I think a big question in all of this is how Rudy is bankrolling himself. At the same time that Giuliani was taking on this work in Ukraine, he was also deepening his connection with an old acquaintance in New York, Donald Trump. They have known each other for decades, um, and during the 2016 campaign, at a time when a lot of people are not willing to support Trump, especially in New York. Um, Rudy is one of the people who is very vocal in his support. Washington needs a complete turnaround, and Donald Trump is the agent of change. And then when Trump wins the election, he is both being floated and floating himself for an array of administration jobs. So he, at some point, uh, is floated as a possible attorney general nominee, He's also floated for Secretary of State, but he doesn't end up getting any of these jobs. And then in January 2017, I think a couple days before the inauguration, Trump says he's going to be his cybersecurity advisor, which is an unofficial job. And he describes it as Rudy uh, helping advise him in the capacity of a trusted friend. Right. He doesn't get a paycheck for that, right? Right. He's basically a volunteer. Trump, I think more than past presidents, relies on his friends from being in New York to give him advice on an array of issues and including foreign policy. When Giuliani was this cybersecurity advisor to Trump, was he still consulting in Ukraine at that time? Yes. And this is a time when his reputation there is really skyrocketing because people know how close he is to Trump and they are desperate to have inroads in Washington and with Trump because they don't know this new administration. So we know that on TV, when he travels there, he's described often as a Trump advisor. Ukrainian officials are are very eager to meet with, and he's very eager to meet with them. In June of 2017, Giuliani met with one of those Ukrainian officials, someone who would later become very important. In the whistleblower complaint that alleges Donald Trump abused his power— a Ukrainian prosecutor is mentioned by name, Yuri Luchenko. Luchenko, the complaint says, was pushing claims that Joe Biden had shut down a Ukrainian corruption investigation into a company Biden's son worked for. Earlier this year, a Ukrainian official said he had no evidence of wrongdoing on the part of Joe Biden or his son. Giuliani met Luchenko in Kiev at a lecture where Giuliani was speaking about corruption and democracy. 
So we know that they met in this June 2017 trip that Giuliani makes to Kiev. And then they meet again earlier this year when Luchenko comes to New York and visits Giuliani's office there. Luchenko tells Giuliani that he feels like there are a lot of unanswered questions about Hunter Biden. So Luchenko brings these things up in this meeting in New York. We know is already something that Giuliani has been thinking about. And he's clearly very animated by the discussion because we know they continue it at a nearby bar. And they have whiskey and cigars, which Rudy's a big cigar aficionado. These conversations with Luchenko happened right around the time that Giuliani took on a position for Trump where he would have even more influence as Trump's personal lawyer. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Voice API, you get comprehensive call analytics, virtual assistance, automated speech recognition, and text-to-speech benefits across multiple languages. Developers can add smart voice functionalities into your app, giving your customers an easier way to reach you. And you can start collecting real-time data to drive more meaningful engagement to move your business forward. Learn more at Vonage.com. Welcome back. Since he came into office, Donald Trump has had personal attorneys who work outside of his administration. The most notable person in that position was Michael Cohen, who left the role and later went to prison for tax fraud related to his work with Trump. In April of 2018, Rudy Giuliani became Trump's new personal attorney and occupied a similar role in a kind of gray area, not part of the Trump administration, but deeply involved in Trump's work. And it's in this capacity that Giuliani starts actively pursuing Luchenko's claims. So how does Giuliani pursue this investigation into the Bidens? So it starts with this May trip that he tries to plan to Ukraine to meet with the president there. Okay. So I've decided, Sharon, I'm not going to go to the Ukraine. You're not going to go? I'm not going to go because I think I'm walking into a group of people that are enemies of the president. In some cases... That's canceled because he's just getting hammered from all sides about the impropriety of a president's lawyer going to meet with a foreign leader, Uh, although this wouldn't be the first time that he's done that while serving as Trump's lawyer. Uh, But the next month, he doesn't give up. He goes to Paris and meets with uh, an official in the Ukrainian prosecutor general's office. And then in July, about a week before the president would talk to the Ukrainian president in this now famous phone call, Rudy gets a text from an official at the State Department. The person from the State Department who texted Giuliani is named Kurt Volker. The text said, Dear Mr. Mayor, are you back stateside? Let's talk or get together. Who is Kurt Volker? 
Kurt Volker is actually also in a, a volunteer capacity to the U.S. government. He's the U.S. government's special representative for Ukraine. He's been serving in that job since 2017. He works with the State Department, but it's not quite an official role. He checks in again two days later. And then uh, on July 19th, he says he really enjoyed breakfast this morning. As discussed, connecting you here with Andrei Yermak, who is very close to President Zelensky. I suggest we schedule a call together on Monday, maybe 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. Washington time. So Volker offers to introduce Giuliani to a top aide, a senior advisor to the new Ukrainian President Zelensky. And these people, Zelensky and his aide, They're not connected to Luchenko, right? The claims about Biden are not coming from them. Yeah. And the timing of this text message is interesting because it's it's six days before Trump is set to talk to Zelensky, but it also comes right after Trump has directed a hold on nearly $400 million in aid that's set to go to Ukraine in the fall. What's your interpretation of that timing? It's not clear who knows what at this point, but a good chunk of the funds are State Department funds. The other thing I would note is that Giuliani has said that he doesn't become aware of the hold on aid until much later in the summer. Does the three-way call happen? As far as we know, the three-way call happens. We don't know about the contents of this three-way call between Giuliani, the personal lawyer, Volker, the State Department volunteer, and Yermak, a top aide to Ukraine's new president. But if any side were to bring up the claims about Biden, it would be the U.S. side. Remember, there had just been a Ukrainian election. Luchenko was not in the new government, and the new administration was not connected to his claims. And then, a few days after that call, another call happens. The call between the president of Ukraine and President Trump. This is the call at the center of the current political turmoil. And on this call, Trump is the one who brings up the claims about Biden and repeatedly tells the Ukrainian president to talk to Giuliani. So it was really interesting to us that he's not only saying investigate Biden, but work with this person who's not officially in the U.S. government and really has no official role other than to serve as his personal lawyer in an investigation that at that point is dead but makes clear how eager he is for the Ukrainian government to do what Rudy's asking for. And did Zelensky's people then talk to Giuliani? Yeah. So Yermak, the top aide to Zelensky, and Giuliani meet about six days after the phone call in Madrid. This is a meeting that is cited in the whistleblower complaint. And we know that Giuliani, again, takes these opportunities to bring up the Biden investigation, to bring up an investigation into possible election interference in 2016, and to, you know, press all these issues that are at the heart of this now. And how do we know that he brought those things up? Because he's told us. This is Giuliani, again, after the call between the two presidents, trying to get the new Ukrainian administration to look into Biden. And questions start to reemerge about whether in these meetings, Giuliani was acting in an official capacity on behalf of the United States when he was not authorized to do so. Giuliani has defended himself by saying the State Department knew what he was doing. 
So the State Department has confirmed that Kurt Volker connected the two of them. They have not elaborated on what sort of briefings they subsequently got after those meetings. So we have Rudy's word that he told the State Department what happened after he met with them. And based on the text messages that we've reviewed, where the State Department, or at least Kurt Volker, is very eager to talk to him, very polite, very respectful. We don't have any reason to believe that Rudy would think it was inappropriate what he was doing. What is Volker's interest here? Is he loyal to the State Department or is he loyal to Trump? He is more of a State Department creature. He's someone who has a long history of working for the U.S. government, so he's, he's more in that category. In the whistleblower complaint released yesterday, the whistleblower pointed to the relationship between Volker and Giuliani. Volker is mentioned five times in the report. Giuliani is mentioned more than 30. And did you talk to Giuliani yesterday? Yes. What was he like? And is there contrition or is he still just gung-ho moving forward on his quest to get Biden investigated? I would say contrition is not part of his vocabulary. He, if anything, is um, doubling down on all of this now. He was extremely fired up both times I talked to him yesterday. Feels like this is an inappropriate investigation. Feels like he's doing everything right. At one point yesterday, he texted me, how come I'm not a whistleblower? So he definitely feels like Democrats have just gone crazy and that there's absolutely nothing to this complaint. And his text to you, why isn't he being considered a whistleblower, is because he sees that him pushing this investigation into Biden, that he's revealing some inappropriate actions that Biden took when he was vice president. Is that kind of what's underlying that? Exactly. Yes. He feels like he is raising an alarm about a huge controversy and everybody is refusing to cover it. And what stands out to you as remarkable in Giuliani's role in this story? I think what's remarkable is that he had been, he got himself into trouble so many times, but he always just managed to float past it and it sort of never really bogged him down. He made a lot of comments that would have sort of taken down any other lawyer to the president, but he's managed to survive all of those. The question here is, is Trump going to stick by him or or is he going to at some point have to cut him loose? If Rudy had never started consulting in Ukraine, do you think we'd be here right now? That's a good question. I think the interesting part of this whole urging uh, Ukraine to investigate Biden thing is that it is something that came from Rudy. It doesn't, as far as we know, seem to be some pet interest of the president. So, you know, had he never met with Luchenko, learned all these details that he finds so damning about the Biden family and told the president about that, it's possible it wouldn't have come up on the call. Late Friday, reports emerged that Kurt Volker, the U.S. government's special representative for Ukraine, had resigned. He was the person who sent the texts connecting Giuliani to Zelensky's government. That's all for today, Friday, September 27th. 
The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are myself, Kate Leinbaugh. And me, Ryan Knudsen. We're produced by Annie Minoff, Ricky Nevetsky, Sarah Platt, and Willa Rubin. Our senior producer is Pia Godkari. Annie Rose Strasser is our supervising producer. Griffin Tanner is our engineer. Our executive producer is Gerard Cole. Our theme music is by Haley Shaw. Additional music this week comes from Haley Shaw from Gimlet and Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks for listening. See you on Monday.